ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling Art with Chris Things. Do the hammer lock. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Wrestling Art with Chris Things. This is uh, episode 12. Oh boy, a uh, whole whole dozen episodes. Yeah, here we are. Alright, but this is a match of the week episode. Um, so this is the one where I uh, pick my favourite match that I happen to watch that week i make an art of it and we we talk about the match talk a little bit about the art and talk about life you know all of the things uh so that's what we have to come this week i have a bloody great match of the week for you a uh, a modern wrestling match that just took place on new year's eve of this past year uh just a, a bloody classic between katsuhiko nakajima and Kento Miyahara in All Japan Pro Wrestling for the prestigious Triple Crown. Uh, my word, this was a great match, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. We have Cousin Ben returning to the show to talk about that. Uh, I, I think Ben has become the unofficial uh, All Japan correspondent. <laughs> um, I mean, we we make uh no intentions of being experts here uh we're just a couple dudes who like to watch a bit of japanese wrestling um and uh, that's it just to talk amongst uh mates uh, about the thing so if uh, if you are partial to a little bit of japanese wrestling uh or if you've been thinking about this this old japan thing that you've been hearing always buzz about with all these great kento miyahara matches perhaps this will be a good one for you uh, but so that more more to come later. Uh, this is start little bit my my sort of Chris things artist monologue is uh, continuing along. Uh, this week has been uh, you know back back to work kind of after the the, um, the Christmas break. Uh, I mean I I didn't really take properly any time off anyway. I just kind of like you know, relaxed a little bit, but now, you know, back into it. Uh, I've had a, a really great commission piece that I'm uh, I'm working on for a, a bloody dear, dear sweet client of mine. Um, such a, a fun job. I can't wait to share that with you guys when it's finished. But you know how these things go, a little, little bit hush-hush until that time, until the, the things are released. So we'll have that. But the other thing that I did this week that I thought might be good to talk about, so in, in the lead-up to the new book, this uh, Way of the Blade AEW edition, um, I'm, I'm back on to releasing um, you know, art prints of some of the illustrations or my favorite illustrations of the original way of the blade so i mean i don't know that that might be the way that a bunch of of y'all originally got onto me from from that original way of the blade book um but i haven't really spoken about that much on here before so i thought that might be a good little moment to, to dig into that a little bit um so that was the original way of the blade um published through hybrid shoot uh, great team over there, headed up by uh, Jonathan Snowden, 
um, a fantastic author in his own right, uh, amazing uh, history of mixed martial arts book that originally got me onto him, and, and then uh, all of the, the nerddom of, of shoot-style wrestling. Um, you know, we, we both share a passion on that. Uh, and, and then, you know, they, they sort of were doing this book of a uh, hundred of the greatest bloody wrestling matches of all time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, put my hand up for that one and then they dug my work and thought I was good for it. And then, man, this, uh, was a heck of a project, a hundred illustrations. Um, this was really my first thing that I'd done uh, of this nature. Um, and it was, it was a challenge. So I actually had the option of, of, you know, sort of doing 50 or, or however many illustrations. I said, nah, let's do the whole hog. Let's do a bloody hundred. <laughs> um, and man, it was a, a challenge. I'll tell you that, but I honestly think that, uh, through the process of doing that, it made me, uh, so much better as an illustrator. Um, you know, just the, the process of, of going through and doing it again, 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 again. I look back on some of the illustrations, and I think a lot of us do this when you look back on old, old work, um, and I look at some of those older ones, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not, my current version of myself is very critical when I look back at those, but I think when you look at that, it's honestly a good thing because it's showing the progress that you've made. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if that, that's a little sort of, uh, tip for, for anyone out there. And then same thing, um, you know, I've had this, uh, book about Dustin Rhodes, um, in the, the works for a while that I'm also working on with, uh, with hybrid shoot and, and, uh, Phil Schneider. I want to make sure to put over the amazing Phil Schneider, who's the, the author of these books, uh, from the OG, uh, Death Valley Driver forum days, uh, or the Schneider comp tapes, if anyone remembers those. Uh, but man, uh, this was a, a challenge for me, you know, getting that original book done. Um, but just, a, a, a you know, a passion, but a, a, when you're, when you're toiling away at something that you're really passionate about, it's always rewarding. Um, so yeah, I was, I was so stoked about that. Now I'm, I'm stoked to be able to reshare uh, some of those favorite illustrations from that book uh, with you guys. Uh, so on the social media on uh, at Chris Things, um, and also you can buy those prints on my website at christhings.com.au. Uh, so I just uh, did perhaps my favorite uh, illustration. I posted that up there, the one that I saved officially till last. Um, from the, the original book, the famous Terry Funk versus Itsushi Onida uh, exploding barbed wire time bomb death match from FMW. Um, so check that out. Uh, but that was so close to my heart and I, I really wanted to get that right. So I saved it for very last and I wanted to capture as much of the emotion in that match as I possibly could. And the idea of uh, these these two men going through this this arduous thing together, um, but then coming out of it uh, as as you know close to one or one another, I guess. And and the, the moment of, of Terry's despair of when um, Onita first first meets those uh, exploding barbed wire ropes. Uh, I, uh, there's so much emotion in that match. It's such a great match. But you go out of your way to watch it. Tremendous stuff. But yeah, it's kind of that. Um, and yeah, I'm very stoked, obviously, about the the new way of the blade books. I'll continue to release some of my favorite illustrations of the OG one. Um, and then yeah, if if you uh 
a fan of that, uh, perhaps this new one might be right up your alley. And and I would love to see some of those original illustrations up on people's walls. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, but yeah, that's about it for this week. I think that's good. I think it's time for us to maybe throw over to uh, Ben, who I, uh, Alternate Universe Chris has on the line right about now. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I have a man on the line who's ready to talk some All Japan Pro Wrestling. Basically, at this point, our All Japan Pro Wrestling uh, source of expertise for the Wrestling Art Podcast. This is this is the second uh, All Japan uh, match of the week that has that's happened, uh, I think, and we've got cousin ben back on the line but welcome to the show man thank you very much christopher thank you very much yeah yeah so uh you i think as i said last time you are still the only person that i know uh of my friendship circle that uh you know keep keeps up with all japan for the most part so well done there oh thank you very much so no one even with nakajima recently haven't shown any interest to watch the occasional show Oh, actually, that that's a little bit of a like. So I did watch this show and, and get caught up with a bunch of the Nakajima versus uh, Kento Miyahara stuff uh, and from the last couple months worth of uh, All Japan with uh, Brad and Mitch. They, mm. they came over. Oh, uh, mate, best, uh, good, good buddy uh, Brad, who was on the, the show uh, the other week when we were talking about um, Low-Key versus Kenta. Oh, nice, nice. Um, and yeah, uh, both of those dudes seemed very impressed by the match that we're we're here to talk about this evening. Uh, the the rematch of Kento Miyahara and um, Katsuhiko Nakajima. But uh, before we get too far into it, how have you been? How was your Christmas, man? Yeah, actually, it's it's been pretty good. I was basically just being a stay-at-home dad for the last three weeks. So I went back to work for the first day today. Ooh. So that so was a, a different a different pace I was living by. It was a... Is that is that a full-time stay-at-home dad or part-time stay-at-home dad? What's the sitch there? Oh, it, was, it was pretty much full-time. For the days Eloise was um, working and when she wasn't working, it was basically... I was still home with Aurora, but she was there to help. So. Oh, yeah. So it normally was like if if she woke up before six o'clock, I didn't get my run in if I had planned to. So I just end up taking her to a park to play in a park and grab a coffee. Do you still get your cardio in other other ways? Like if you go to the park, do you go and like ride on one of those stationary park bikes or something? No, but I do get a bit of cardio, and it's basically just chasing her up the playground and make sure she doesn't fall off. You know, like all those, <laughs> all those little kids' playgrounds have those fireman poles? Oh, yeah. It's like a stairway to heaven type thing. It's like she ain't big enough to reach that pole, or if she does, she's got good grip strength. Mm-hmm. But if her body weight's flying, she ain't stopping. <laughs> so, so the cardio is just chasing her. <laughs> you may have to, to lay the, the occasional hip check on another little kid who's getting a bit too close to her and might knock her over. <laughs> it, it's like... I'm not afraid to 
put my ass in the way. So a little, the little boys are one of the worst. The ones that are very confident on the playground, mm-hmm. they just sort of knock them. And she's a little girl. She's pretty petite, so it's like well, she can go flying. So I was like, no, nah, you little shit, you ain't getting past my ass. <laughs> so uh, Aurora's is she like three now? No, nah, not that old. She's only uh, twenty months, so just just under two. She turns two in May. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, so. Don't worry, I am now too. I don't like remembering how old I am. I am. <laughs> but, you uh, but, you getting near the the big four uh, O party? You going to be doing a party for that one? Uh, I don't know if I'm doing a party, but I I do turn thirty nine in a couple of months. As soon as I get anywhere near it, like I have everyone in my life like telling me I'm basically forty. Like I just turned thirty seven. And between, like, Kaylin and my mum and, like, everyone, it's basically like, well, you're you're basically 40 now. What's, what's this bullshit? Well, well I, I, tell, I tell Elise, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm feeling a bit old these days. And I'm, like, I'm expecting her to say, it's like, no, you're still young. You're still moving well. It's like, oh, yeah, you're getting older. It's like, <laughs> love, I say these things because I want you to disagree with me and give me some confidence. Not agree with me when I'm saying I'm old and... As I, as I like to say these days, it's like, well, either you or my daughter are going to push me in a wheelchair since you're 10 years older than, younger than me, and she's uh, a good 36 years younger than me. So one of the women <laughs> in my life will push me around when I'm older. <laughs> but, oh, man. But, but yeah, it's like you, you say stuff because you want them to disagree with you, not agree with what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. That's like, no. I, you want to be I'm, like, no, Ben, you're you're a sprightly young man. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, love. I'm I'm look, I'm putting it out there because I want a compliment. Mm. Not not for you to agree with me. Yeah. Well, so hopefully she she gets the the clue there. Oh, I actually had to sp- spill it out, just put it out for a laugh. I'm like, love. <laughs> I'm saying this because I want you to disagree, not agree with me. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah, but, so how was your so, Christmas? Good yeah, yeah, mine was mine was pretty good with the, the you know the old family thing. Um, mm. I probably worked through it more than I normally would. So with my old job when I was still doing marketing stuff, mm. I kind of um, had a bit more of a you know a hard line that yeah. I'd, I'd try to set. I mean, oftentimes I'd still be doing some you know, work social media stuff or, or whatnot, yeah. you know, sometimes getting closer to Christmas, but at least I'd be like, all right, this is work or this is home stuff. Yeah. Now with the work being like the art and illustration kind of thing, it's like a lot more just, I don't know, it is just my life and I'm just doing yeah. it all the time. So I definitely worked uh, a lot more through Christmas than I normally would. Um, we still had a, a couple of days here and there to go out and, you know, spend a day with friends or, mm. um, we went up to this, uh, lovely, uh, creek with the, the dogs the other day that was, was quite lovely. Um, nice. but yeah, I'm still, uh, adjusting a little bit, I guess, to the, the sort of like work life balance of when your, your work is meant to be your passion kind of thing, you know? Yeah, no, it is, it's definitely, uh, the balance is harder to find. When your love is your work. Hmm. I mean, and it's good in some ways because I guess they say like you know the dream is is you know working of you know something that you you would want to do anyway yeah. kind of thing. Um. I mean that and that's true. 
because I, I would be, you know, if I was having time off, I, I would likely just be, you know, doing paintings or whatever anyway. Um, but I guess it's a bit different when you're, you're doing it just for yourself, just for, for fun kind of thing yeah. versus, you know, doing, um, you know, I love getting commission, commission work and mm. um, that kind of stuff and, and having things like, you know, even like the, the this match of the week thing that we're talking about, I, yeah. I really enjoy the process of doing that. But it is like, you know, you have to sort of keep yourself accountable. Whereas, yeah. um, you, you know, with those kind of doing, make. yeah, exactly. When you're doing mm. stuff just, you know, for, for fun over Christmas or doing a painting, it doesn't, you know, matter when it gets done or whatever. It's, mm. a, it's a complete different, different story, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, still, still working the things out, but it's, it's good. Can't complain. Well, well glad to hear. Glad to hear. Yeah. Thanks. I, um, I have uh for for the next one I just I, I won't I won't spoil too much about it but I feel like you will really dig you specifically will really dig the the next match of the week. Okay. I watched it today. Um, I'm guessing when it's I was not doing my research. It's not current, no. <laughs> um, a bit of a retro one. Again, I can't give out too much detail, um, but I. Uh, I it was a amazingly physical battle, um, and it was involving a wrestler that um, I was uh, talking to a guest on this show. In fact, not very long ago. So there's a, there's a little cryptic hint, but <laughs> you'll see what it is on uh, on uh, Friday, I guess. Okay, I'm very intrigued. Very intrigued. If you if you like a, a good old uh, clubberin of a wrestling match, this is this is the one oh, for you. I definitely do. That is that is my preference these days. <laughs> I mean, we definitely got that in in this one, this uh, Nakajima versus Kento Miyahara one. I mean, before we get into this match, so for our uh, our listeners at home, um, so the the match that we're talking about is the the Nakajima versus Kento Miyahara match that, that main evented um, the All Japan show on the, the 31st of, of December this this past year, the All Japan Pro Wrestling Maniacs 2023 show at uh, Yoyogi National Stadium Gymnasium number two. Um, so this was the, the second match in the series of 2023. They actually had a previous match uh, previous singles match in in Noah back in July, um, that also bloody amazing match, and it was such a thing for me because I actually ended up watching them both on the same night last week um, with the guys, and mm. I was just like, oh, it, it was <laughs> such a tough call, um, and for me, obviously for it to be the match of the week. Uh, this this later All Japan one edged out the, the prior one for me. Mm. But you told me that you you went the other way. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, well, for me, they were both pretty close. I haven't rewatched the the July match recently. It would have been a couple of months ago since I watched it. Mm. But from feel... Like I love them both, but I th- remember I think it was the the finishing sequence of mm. the first match that gave me that that I thought put it over the edge. 
But then when you mentioned the finishing sequence and the why certain moves meant actually more, knowing the bit of the background to them, it was a bit tougher. But I'd still I have to go on my gut and give it to that the first match. Right. On purely right. but if you take into the story of the f- sequence of the second match, I may have changed my opinion on which match was better. If I knew that going Ooh. in. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to rewatch the July match, perhaps, mm. but like on first impression, yeah, after I watched that first one, the July one, and then when I watched this one in December, um, I was just like, man, both were amazing, but I think this one just just edged it out, mm. and we'll be, we'll be talking a bit about that mm. uh, later on. But, um, I mean, for, for our listeners, I wanted to give a little bit of a, a, a painting of the, the feud, uh, give a bit of a idea of it. So these guys um, both went all the way back to uh, Kensuke office, both came up with uh, Kensuke Sasaki as, as their, their mentor. Um, uh, they're both trained, I believe, by, by Kensuke and, um, and Master Saito, I think. I may not be right on that one, but I think I am. Oh, I think you are. All the references are, especially with Kitamiya, who was mm. the other one in the three. He's like, he's basically Master Saito. So it had... Yeah, Master Saito was kind of like mm. the, the grandpa mm. of the, the Kensuke office family, mm. with uh, Akira Hokuto being the, the mum and mm. uh, Kensuke being the daddy. That's the way I always thought about it. <laughs> That's the way I definitely say it. But yeah, like, if he was... Because those three basically came through at the same time, he mm. had to have had to have a role, especially in the, what they, the way they wrestle too. Yeah. And I mean, then the key part of it relating to, to this series with um, Kento Miyahara and um, Nakajima being that Nakajima was always kind of positioned as like the ace kind of thing. Mm. He was always like the best student kind of deal. While, um, you know, like uh, Miyahara was like the super, super duper talented guy, mm. but just not quite at that level kind of thing mm. and then that continued on when both of them um as well as kensuke actually came into noah um and uh, i remember because this is when i was probably one of my first times of watching noah like really regularly maybe back around um 2007 2008 sort of time um and you'd see kento miyahara on on some of those shows okay. i mean these were the same ones when when nakajima was having these like just classics like you know all-time great junior heavyweight title matches against kenta back in the day they had an amazing series but you'd see this other dude um kento miyahara on the the shows and you'd be like man this guy seems real good but you know he's just obviously not at nakajima's level Mm -hmm. just yet and then eventually a lot of stuff happens um and uh kento miyahara goes to all japan um and uh, back when uh, Jun Akiyama was uh, was in in charge of that that promotion, he oh, okay. positioned um, Kento Miyahara as the the ace of all Japan. Um, which at that time, I remember a lot of people were like, "What the what the heck's he doing here? This what's this Kento Miyahara fellow ever done?" And then he goes on to be like one of the greatest aces of a promotion you would ever see. Like I. 
a lot of this podcast is probably just going to be the Kento Miyahara Appreciation <laughs> Society. Um, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah, wrong nothing with that, wrong with that. Um, but then uh, Nakajima, you know, stayed in Noah um, and then just sort of got to the, the top of that promotion, became GHC heavyweight champion multiple times, uh, an amazing run, amazing tag team, uh, both with uh, Masa, uh, uh, Masa... Masa Kitamiya. Masa Kitamiya. I have Masa Saito on the brain, yeah, sorry. Right. Masa, Masa Kitamiya uh, as the... What was their name? Were they the Aggression? Yeah, the aggression, that's it. Yeah, and then we had the, his amazing, uh, his probably his more famed uh, tag mm. team in Noah being the, the Axis tag team mm. with Goshi Izaki. Just some fantastic matches. Great feud with um, with Masakitamiya um, that we were referencing there. And then oh, uh, just an incredible great, run. Great series of matches. Finish with that big cave match they had. Oh, amazing stuff, man. Guys, if, uh, if you have a Russell Universe subscription and you want to see one of the darn greatest cage matches of all time, which happens to also be in front of just... That, that was like no fans at all, wasn't it? That was during COVID, but it was just one of the best things you ever did see. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because it had to be between... It was like 2021 and Japan was still pretty... pretty much having no people at their uh, shows. Yeah, and it stands out to me because I remember it being such a brutal match and taking some insane risks. Uh, like, I'm it pretty took some sure. crazy bumps, didn't they? Didn't Kitamiya do, like, his bloody senton off the top of the cage yeah. or something? I'm pretty positive, fucking did. Because, like. In front of no fans. Mm. Just insane shit. But, buddy, go out of your way to, to see that one. Mm. Awesome match. But, uh, that's not what we talk about today. But, so basically. <laughs> Uh, what I'm sort of hinting at here is um, Kento Miyahara became the man in all Japan uh, Nakajima same in, in Noah and then Noah and all Japan in 2023 started doing some interpromotional kind of stuff yeah. so we got to see some some rad interpromotional matches between those companies some, some great stuff I actually got to see uh, the first big one with the all Japan boys coming in to challenge uh, some of the Noah guys on the big um, Muto retirement show um, at the Tokyo Dome that I was lucky enough to be at uh, earlier, well, last year, actually. Yeah. Man, very great lucky. stuff. Very, but, very lucky, um, Thank you. And then, uh, yeah, we, we that culminated, the, the Noah versus All Japan feud in um, Kento Miyahara coming over to have first... Was this the, the first time ever singles match? It's it's the first one that I know of, unless they had... Like, they definitely would have had to have one in Kensuke office, wouldn't they? But I thought they would. I mean, I'm looking at but, their um, their history on Cage Match right but, now, and I'm, I'm not actually seeing any. But they never really... They never mentioned anything that I can remember with Fortune, the first match, and the English... I think they had like, multi-man matches oh, against one multi. another. Uh, and, and, you know, more... Uh, multi-man matches against one another in in Noah as as well um but then yeah this was like their, at least their first time facing off against one another in a long long time and then that was just that that classic we were talking about in um July and so Nakajima had his number on that one got the the win there and then 
Nakajima, lo and behold, actually leaves Noah at the end of the year. That was just a, a shocking revelation. Um, I couldn't believe it because it just felt like he was part of the fabric of that company. Well, he'd been there and since then, like he was, was it 17, 18 when he first he made his first appearance. Yeah, yeah, he'd been there forever. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, he's he comes over and right off the bat challenges um, Yuma Oyaji for the Triple Crown. And yeah. we're all just like, oh, is this just sort of a token challenging for hmm. the belt before he's going to go elsewhere? No, hmm. he comes out and he wins the hmm. belt. Well, that was the crazy thing. But did you also, Dave was reporting that originally the rematch, when they first had the first match, the, re, the re, rematch was originally booked for Kento to win the match. But so after that I first did match, read there. That that was in this, this past week's Observer, wasn't yeah. it? I was just uh, catching up on that. So apparently initially, um, I mean, I don't know if we're going to believe the, the newsletters or whatnot. But, yeah, yeah Dave did say that... Um, Kento Miyahara was originally scheduled to successfully uh, to, to win the, the belt back in, yeah. in this one. So to me, it's almost like, well, that's maybe the belt was never initially on the line. It's like when things change and he decided he wanted a new challenge after that first match having it and the, the, thing, the things he'd been doing, it's like, did his mind change? And that's when he asked for his release from Noah. And that's when the opportunity with All Japan came via the rematch, giving him the belt beforehand and another, another amazing match. Right. Is that, is that when it all changed? And that's when they changed yeah. the booking by giving, instead of just a normal rematch, it became giving him the title. And then when it seems like something more than that, he wins that match for Kento then to have the big, the third match down the line, possibly to win the belt then or something or. I think, I mean, the way that it feels that this story has been going, it almost feels like every time they, they wrestle one another, um, Nakajima, maybe due to that seniority, has he's got um, Kento Miyahara's number. Mm. So I think it's maybe almost one of those things where they keep wrestling and then finally the big thing will be for um, Kento Miyahara to, to finally upend... Nakajima, but we'll see. It, we will see. It have to be. You can't do three big losses in a row. No. Me. Although, like, it wouldn't surprise me if people would do it, but it just to have to finally have that win after three losses. It just for me, it just seems like you're too much glosses being taken off. I mean, the the key here is that it's not like Miyahara is looking like a schlub in these no. classes. You know no. what I mean? Like, yeah, he, looks he is the ace of this company, mm. even though he doesn't have the belt. And well, he's, like, the most over guy on these shows. Yeah. So, like, the, yeah. the big thing is, like, basically for 26 minutes, the entire match, they're chanting his name, no matter mm. what's happening. It's like, Kento, Kento. It's like, <laughs> no man have I seen have that much charisma from the way he comes out to the way he calls upon the crowd to start chanting his name to them just naturally chant it the whole, whole match. <laughs> and I don't see a man over in a promotion more than he is. I, you know, one of the things that he's also got that I've never seen before, mm -hmm. I really appreciate. Have you noticed with his entrance, so amazing entrance music and the whole like pruning to the crowd mm -hmm. and 
like jacket and everything. <laughs> he's got the whole thing down. Um, he's got the whole like synced in movements with the crowd response oh. and everything. It's and then, oh yeah, absolutely. Like he's he's got ace all over him. Mm. Um, when he after his music cuts off, he has this like sound effect that continues going without the music. That's basically entirely dedicated to just him like cheerleading the crowd. <laughs> Have you noticed this? <laughs> no, but I'm going to actually have to look at it now. Cause... It's so good. It's like this big bassy beat thing that's like, oh. that goes along with the chant of like, oh, Kento, no. Kento, Miyahara, Kento. And it's like this beat that goes like, boop, boop, boop. Yes, I do, because I remember him doing with his hands where he goes up the one side and then up the other side. And, mm, yeah. mm, mm. No, no, actually, no. Now you say you've done the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just reminds me of him moving his hands up in those gradual stages. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that that uh, came across. I wasn't uh, sure about my, my vocal abilities to recreate that <laughs> sound effect, but I'll count that as a win. I'll count that as a win. Thank you. Always, always. <laughs> um, but then, man, if we're talking about entrances, the entrance mm. of Nakajima in this one, his his classic Nakajima theme music is gone. His uh, his his beautiful locks gone. His his everything about his previous mm. gear completely changed. He's his old business. The hair mm. is buzzed. He's got this buzzed bleach hair going on. He's got uh, the all white gear. He's got the this white um, like entrance Terms. jacket, kind of like yeah. a, a bit reminiscent of um, Anoki, uh, perhaps. Yeah, and then the biggest one being seconded by uh, Hisashi Shinma, who a uh, massive historical figure in Japanese wrestling, uh, former chairman of, of New Japan, long time uh, business. Booker. Yeah, yeah, formerly uh, Booker of uh, All Japan as I mean of New Japan as well from the the seventies through the early eighties, um, till he was uh, ousted um, with uh, I think Anoki on some embezzling charges or something. Yeah. And... I, no, no, I read that too. <laughs> I thought I found it quite yeah. funny embezzling money from was it. All Japan to one of Anoki's side businesses or something. To New Japan. Yeah, sorry, New Japan. Yeah, to one of his side businesses. (laughs) Man, there's some seriously interesting stuff that happened during that time. Um, There was, I wish I could remember the name for this, a great website that has a lot of um, translations of uh, books and stuff uh, or like interviews and things where they they talk about a lot of that historical thing. But just such a a wild time, um, the sort of behind the scenes bit of like, 70s and 80s uh, Japanese wrestling where it's like that kind of like embezzling and everything like it sounds kind of outrageous now but I don't even think it was that crazy back then I mean basically the Yakuza was like running most of the wrestling companies at that time too well it doesn't seem too bad considering basically he was running one company and he just put in the profits into another company so it's like yes it's against the law but there's a lot worse things to do. Yeah, and apparently that kind of stuff was was um, quite normal at the time, mm. um, especially with like businesses' profits being sort of like embezzled into side businesses, and then that's how it would sort of get into yakuza hands and that mm. kind of deal. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of just standard Japanese uh, business practices mm. at the time, I guess. Mm. <laughs> 
which is just so funny in itself. Yeah, and then he went on to start um, UWF. So I'm mm-hmm. like, if, if Shinma didn't exist, would, would shoot-style wrestling even exist? Which is just wild. And then ended up uh, ousted from that company when um, uh, Sayama came in. Yeah. I guess him and Sayama had some beef from New Japan earlier or something. More than a beef was basically, wasn't it? Sayama said, I'll come in, but he has to go. Basically, well, yeah. that's the way Dave yeah. said anyway. I was like, <laughs> That's balls, I mean, bro. and honestly, if you've got the original Tiger Mask on, you'd like, you would probably get rid of most people. So yeah. sorry, sorry, Shinma, you got to go. So I mean, I guess I was sort of given a bit of background for the idea of like, so what is Shinma doing here, and what's the idea of him him seconding Nakajima? Um, and I guess it's like. And, and the other thing was he came out to the, the old Ali Bomaye yeah. theme music, which also, you know, big connection to Anoki too. So I think yeah. a lot of it was sort of like connecting the dots of like, I don't know whether it was sort of like just building him up as this like massive kind of star, like a fresh start, reinvigorated kind of thing, or whether it's like playing on the sort of like New Japan versus mm. All Japan um, kind of mm. thing as well. I don't know. For, for me, it felt like they were trying to elevate him mm. to a new level. And then it was like, like played into the way he wrestled the match. It was more of the MMA style. It's like where he, from the st- start of the match where he, he was on the ground and, and laying the kicks in a Miyahara, the, 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 like they do in the octagon. It's like, yeah, when they don't want... Oh. When they want you know go- what you know what that said to me though straight away when I saw that mm. that was did you ever see the um the Ali versus Inoki fight? No, I've only heard. I've, I've never seen. It. Is that was that how it? Inoki- that was basically the entire fight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was actually amazing and really smart. I mean, we're not going to get completely into that, but basically, um, Ali had such a strict rule set that. Anoki couldn't really do any strikes above the waist, I think, was the was the key other like leg kicks I mean. Yeah. Um so other only like, you know, boxing. So mm. he actually had a really smart technique of falling onto his back and then just working these kicks to the legs. So he'd be out of the danger of, you know, uh Ali's punches. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was maybe a bit of a, a nod to to that and the whole um, you know Ali Anoki vibe of uh, Nakajima's makeover, I guess. Well, it, it basically it definitely plays into it. It gives the more you know on the backstory and it plays into the, the music. He, entrance music comes out to the law. Such could a good song. Make more sense. Uh, definitely. <laughs> I was I was buffing my head along to that one. Man, <laughs> that goes hard. Mm. Oh man. But so I mean, getting into the match, I, mm. I think I absolutely love the leg kicks. Like I was saying, mm. um, there was a bit where they sort of go. They have like a, just a really great um, sort of like lock up, like a prolonged kind of yeah. like lock up thing that was just one of the greatest like fiery like examples of how you can just get put so much in into and get so much out of like something as simple as a, a lockup. I thought that was like really, really great. Oh, I'm saying it's, it's it just the, the test, the strength, the, the back and forth, the way they play it, they're really like stretching out, lunging down, trying to get a little bit of leverage. And then it just, just the way he Kento paces, it, he makes the simple, just look, just 
just draws you in. It's it's by just doing the simple things so much better than other people. It just sort of stages it to to elevate certain stages to just take the match to a new level. Yeah, and I thought this match, like both guys, did such a great job mm. of that, of like drawing you in mm. and like because it started out a little bit slow kind of thing because both guys were, you know, like we're saying with this lock-up and, and both guys were quite respecting one another's mm. game. Um, but I thought it did such a jo- great job. Like, the whole sort of thing of this match that I love so much was the, the pacing and build kind of mm. thing. And I thought this was kind of the definition of, like, what they say where you, you bring a crowd down so then you can, like, bring them up after. And I thought that's kind of what this, this match was. Um. But when they finally turned it on, it's like about I reckon about that halfway stage when I think Kento lands the pile driver on the ring apron. Mm. I felt mm. that was the turning point from from that point in the match. It just went to a whole new level. The speed, like the exchanges they had, the running knees, the back at back, the Germans, the big kicks, the vertical suplexes. It was just like it went from the collar and elbow tie ups to then just this new level. Yeah. And it was so great, like because mm. and he worked the legs sort mm. of up to that point a little bit, um, just sort of like not as much as he would go on to work the arm, mm. but sort of like you know going after it a bit. But then yeah, we get into this bit, and I had a I don't know about that exact sequence that you're talking about because mm. it's like it's almost like a bit a bit slower, mm. and then it's like all right, we're going up a gear, guys, and the crowd like is just going nuts, mm. like just a, a amazing like, short burst sequence of, mm. of, like, this, um, you know, like you say, and all the kicks, the Germans, and then that sweet mm. brain buster at the end by mm. Kento, mm. And then the crowd was just like, fuck, mm. and then we have, like, a great double down where you finally get to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just, it's like, damn, that's how it's done. Yeah. But, yeah, as you said, like, Nakajima starts off he working the legs, so just like, then as the match goes on, and then starts specifically going in that right arm with the kicks, the holds. Which then... oh, did you did you remember specifically the moment when he started targeting the arm? Because that like came across to me on rewatch. I'm trying to. Th- no, I can't remember. It was it was the bit where it had a, a great little um, exchange coming out of of that one, um, where. Um, Kento goes for a clothesline and then uh, uh, Nakajima just catches that clothesline with this mighty kick to it. And when, I remember when we were all watching it together, all of us were like, ooh, like it was one of those ones that gets just like a proper like audible reaction of like, oh, fuck that. Because there's something about, you know, taking kicks to like other body parts, but like taking a kick to like a limb like that, that just seems nasty, man. And then like straight to work on it from there with the, the Fujiwara. Oh, so good. That, that's just, that's just replaying that. I do remember that fucking kicky land. Because it was, because the other thing was like, he, he landed a few kicks, but in comparison to that first match, I thought his attack was more a lot more kick-dominant. Mm. Where this, it seemed to, he pulled back a bit on the kicks. Yeah. Which which I was quite surprised, but then... I mean, we still got some, him, but it wasn't oh, like the kicks were his, his main game yeah, kind of attack. thing. Like, he had a bunch of other stuff to kind of, like, fill it out, and maybe this game plan that we're kind of talking about. But the... The big one was like 
the sequence where he goes from what was it? I'm trying to think. There was a bit that I um remembered that was shortly after that that last one with the the Fujiwara, where he's continuing mm. to like work over the the arm and mm. you know peppering in these kicks and fucking like kicking the the arm and like just mm. kicking him all over really. Um, and it kind of felt like at that stage that just like I was saying before, kind of like Nakajima just has Kento's number, like he's game planned it kind of thing, yeah. and he's just got, totally got his number. Um, and then there was um, this this great oh uh, there was a bit where he did the the that slap. Yeah, the um, open that, palm. That's palm strike of death, which I bloody yeah. love how they've built that up so much from, like, do you remember watching that match in DDT mm. where he just murdered Endo with that? Fucking oath. <laughs> I don't think he was supposed to knock him out, but... <laughs> I don't but, think so. But that's... That was, I was going to say, that was another one I thought you may have done the pick of, the, the palm strike. Oh. I thought... Yeah. Like I was very happy that you, you chose the the armbar, but I thought I thought that was another one that you possibly. But I don't remember. I swear one of your other picks of the the week was a a strike like that. So I thought good choice in the end. But do we? Yeah. Did you think about I mean, doing the palm, palm strike? The palm strike. I did. I did. I did consider it actually, because like I said, I I just love how much mm. they've built that up to just be this this palm strike of death. Mm. Like you hit someone with it, they go down immediately. Mm. <laughs> but um no i think that was sometimes when i go through the match um you know when i'm looking for sort mm. of a visual or sort of like keep an idea about oh that was a good one mm. let's let's have a mental image of that mm. that might be one that I come back to as as a contender for for the um the shot but i think for this one cuz it was just so much about the arm mm. and the way that that like wove through um like especially i mean it, it, there's actually a spot that's like we're right up to sort of at this point in the match where um he is is trying to get that straight jacket german yep and he just can't pull it off because he he of the arm being weakened and then straight away afterwards you see him like you know clutch his his arm Mm. which i thought was like such a great little detail Mm. and a lot of the time in these kind of big epic kind of matches um, you'll see guys work a kind of like body part through the match just cause, yeah. you know, and it doesn't really have that much of an effect in in the finish or anything it, like that. Yeah, how it doesn't play into it at all. It's basically they've worked worked a leg for the whole match and don't even try and do anything with it in the finishing sequence. Yeah, yeah. don't acknowledge it yeah. or anything. It used to happen all the time. I remember back in the day when I was watching um Dragon Gate and um Rookie Doi was on top. And he'd have these long, epic matches. A lot of them are very good, but he was, like, notorious for just, like, oh, yeah, now this is the part where we just, you know, work a body part for, like, 20 minutes and then forget about it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, man, I, I thought this was just really smart and, and clever mm. of the way that they threaded that needle through the match. And, like, again, the idea of, like, um, Nakajima having this game plan kind of worked out. And the uh, the arm being such a, a a key part of it. I actually, well, the, the scene for me, I loved what led to it, where Kento landed those three running knees. But it's not man. Just... And can we just say how bloody great are Kento Miyahara's knees? Well, 
the, everyone. Fucking, but the, the most impressive part about it is it's not the same fucking knee from the same angle, the same spot. They're all different. Yeah, ones. All, all different. Like he's got the standing one that looks amazing. He's got the running one to the corner. Then he also has mm-hmm. the the drop kicks to position them to to hit the knees. It's like it's never just where guys like Ricardo does an amazing drop kick, but it's the same one every single time. There's no variation to it. Where mm. Kento for each move, there's multiple variations that are all fucking amazing. It's like. It's not even including the big fucking boot he does. <laughs> and he's, like, evolved that mm. so well over time, I think. Like, it's sort of really built up to be such mm. a great repertoire mm. of these awesome mm. knees that mm. he has. Um, and I, you know, this is something I've said many mm. times before, but I will say it again. Kento Miyahara's knees put Kenny Omegas to shame. I, I definitely, I, I do agree. After watching a lot more of him from in this last year, the the variety and how good they all look, it does take – it It definitely elevates them above Kenny's because Kenny's, as good as they are, they're very limited in what he does with them. Like the predominant mm. one he does is when the guy's on the rope, the V-trigger to the back. It's, it's not – there's no – it's just the build he actually does to the knees, which can also be the, amazing. It's like – he was, I think the, he lands the crazy standing knee after reversing multiple Nakajima kicks to his chest and back, where it just, mm. kicked, he's sitting on the ground taking these kicks that look like they'd fucking break you in half. Then <laughs> the next second, he stands up and it looked just the connection. It just looked perfection. Oh, was that mm. the, the standing kick from um, Nakajima? No, this one was where I think Kento was sitting on the ground in the middle of the ring and Nakadim mm. was kicking front and back of his chest. Mm-hmm. Then he, I don't know the exact, Lee versus by, I don't know if he eventually stands up or something and then just lands a standing knee. At, oh, one of yeah. those flash ones, yeah. That got it's us all instant. when we were watching it. We were That was when mm. we were all like, mm. you know when you, you get to that level, mm. you're just like, oh, holy shit. Mm. <laughs> so those kind of things you just don't see coming are where it just takes it to another level for me. And that, that's also the pacing that we're talking about too and mm. like just that, that perfect timing. And I think I've said it before about certain guys, sometimes certain opponents just have like a level of chemistry with one another mm. where just the, the, the timing is just so perfect. And this, this, that really like stood out to me in this one. Oh god, yeah. I um think uh, the the other bit. So we already had him try that um first straight jacket, yep. and then going down this like finishing stretch. Um, so awesome. Uh, Kento looking like he's finally gonna get this straight jacket, mm. German, and like the proper awesome like. You know, the, the stalling yep. straight back at German, uh, like almost like a Everest German kind of mm. thing, the way he was doing it. Archer's and like putting him yeah. up that slow, slow, slow. Archer's like, how the fuck can you hold a guy like that? He's about 95 kilos, bending your back, trying to fall away. Oh, and you're like, all right, he's finally going to get mm. it. And then, mm. no, his arm fucks out on him again. Mm. And then a second later, Nakajima hits the... Fucking <laughs> nastiest high kick to the head. Oh, 
<laughs> like a Mirko Crocop fucking shit. <laughs> like, like, that's when it's like, fuck. This is like, that's if, if he'd done that landing on Endo, he would have fucking killed him. Like, I don't know if it's because Ken, Kento trained with him and knew exactly how to take it, but the connection, the spot is like, fuck me. I don't think most people in American professional wrestling would like to take that. <laughs> so, so, like, the, when you see someone like that, I was like, if he went to, because I, I don't know what the, the, with the all Japan and WWE working relationship type thing, it's like, it, if he went to WWE and did that kick, I think he'd fucking kill the guy. <laughs> it's like, you, you take one of his kicks to the head after what? the shit you see dished up on uh, their stuff and their matches like they wouldn't know how to take that kick they're just yeah. it's just like that guy's dead <laughs> yeah I uh, really don't know about this um, NXT uh, All Japan agreement uh, if, it, if it's Ooh. just you know getting guys that have a rad performance like uh, Dempsey did mm. then sure bring it on but yeah i don't know it's a that's a whole different kettle of fish but oh, yeah. um i uh, yeah though initially when you know we were thinking where's where's nakajima going to end up after he was leaving noah you know i was dreading the idea that he went to NXT or something for that exact same reason oh. cuz it would take out like exactly what makes him so mm. special and it's him being like a hard hitting stiff mm. badass you know Oh, and that's me why he's best suited to stay in Japan. It's like, hmm. like, because as you saw with Kenta, when he made that move, knew he had to change the way he wrestled, and he hits nowhere near as hard as Nakajima does. Oh, I don't know if you watch watch oh, Kenta from back in the day, oh, yeah. Noah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he went once he changed. Yeah, yeah. As as you've seen what he he does now, it's like, like yes, once once he got yeah. deprogrammed, hmm. kind of thing. He has not got that killer intensity back in his kick. I mean, you um, see, you see it a little mm. bit. I remember um, Kenta's big return to Noah mm. in the Budokan show uh, at the start of twenty twenty three. That felt like old old mm. OG Kenta. Maybe it's even just like a bit of a stylistic thing where New Japan guys just you know don't like to go quite as hard as your your Noah or, or Japan style. I don't know. Like you. Definitely, I'd say that with most guys, but you still got your guys like Suzuki, Ishii, who do Nagata, do take, even though they're older, do take those those hard, stiff kicks. Like, I don't see some of their top guys, even a Shingo, like, these guys definitely would take that kind of kick after what I've, what I've seen Shingo do over the years, but it just doesn't seem... Well, he's, he's definitely changed the style because of the injury he's had. It's a slower-paced style, but I don't know. Just ex- except for that Noah match, he just doesn't seem to have that same fire in the kick. Mm, yeah, but that does right. make sense. But uh, man, thankfully Nakajima still does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't see him being a person. What I think was, he's been going for what probably 18, 18 years or so. I don't see that guy changing for anyone. <laughs> I bloody hope not. I hope not. Because it's like, no matter who you are, he treats you the same. Mm. Kicks the fucking shit out of you. 
reminiscent of uh, I think I was when I had uh, Jonathan McBurney on the other week we were talking mm. about how the magic of Vader was he was just an equal opportunity pun- like punisher regardless of whether you're a jobber or like you're fucking Antonio Inoki or Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan he's gonna hit you just as bloody hard or Shawn oh. Michaels I respect the hell out of a guy as an equal opportunist Absolutely, but yeah, right. I feel like Nakajima is mm. the same. Well, that that was the actually just the. He click. officially started in two thousand four. Mm. That's fucking crazy. Nakajima? twenty years. Yeah. So he's only, I swear, he's only like thirty five. Yeah. Well, he started real young. Yeah. Like he was just a prodigy, um, you know. But yeah, so that makes sense. Mm. But man, that um, right near the finish, that Northern Lights bomb. Mm. That he breaks out the the ode to to his mentor Kensuke, um, again tying it all mm. back together with um, you know Kento Miyahara's experience under Kensuke mm. as well. Uh, I just thought that was so good. Like he had the had a great near fall off of the brainbuster earlier, which mm. was um, Nakajima's uh, other finish for mm. for a long time as well. Um, but man, when he hit that that Northern Lights <laughs> and then. Did you? I don't know if you got the same thing, but when I was watching it and the, the Japanese commentary of it, and just that like that amazing like Japanese commentary yell of Northern Lights Bomb. Oh, no, I definitely got that because that's the only. It's like cause I've that's one move I've very rarely seen. The only other person I remember seeing it recently do it was is Eddie. Yeah, yeah, it's and, like a, another tribute mm, to to Kensuke, mm, I guess. And maybe uh, that Julia. Chick. I'm pretty sure she does something. She lands in bait. Oh. I think she la- pretty much drops them straight on their top of their the top of their back. It's a uh, hers is pretty vicious too. Julia Hart? No, not fuck. There's no chance now that fucking chick could do that. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Julia, the guy, the chick who's oh from w- Stardom. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Slightly different people. Yeah. So you know how Stardom had that fuck, fuck up with their big show on the 29th? Mm. So they put up they put up that show, the full show, plus the year before's full show. Mm. So over the Christmas break, I watched both of those shows. And I was oh, pretty yeah, yeah, I remember you telling me yeah, this. Pretty sure she landed and there was another big match she was in. I swear I saw her do that. Northern White's like, guess if, if when she's doing it, it's probably also a bit of an ode to um, Akira Hokuto. Because, mm. um, you know, it, 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 most pe- people also, you know, alternate between calling it the Northern Lights bomb or the Hokuto driver mm. um, b- because of her. And I, I think Kensuke might have only started doing it after they got together. Yeah. Don't don't mm. quote me on that one, but I think that might be a thing, and it was sort of like a tribute to his wife mm. kind of deal. Um, but yeah, very very synonymous with uh, Joshi wrestling because of Hokuto. Do you roughly remember what time they got together? What year? I remember season? hearing, always hearing the story of they got together on that um, that Korea show, Collision in Korea, where uh, WCW and New Japan had the the big card. The, the one that, you know, still holds yeah, the, the attendance record. record. Um, and I remember Dave always posts, like, right, whenever he's talking about that show, he'll always shoehorn the story in, of the boys. The biggest thing they were talking about was that was when um, Kensuke and Hokuto first met 
and got along really well and then they could hear them having the loudest <laughs> sex you ever did hear through the floor or through the other wall or whatever. Well, so, so roughly what year was that, you reckon? Um, pretty sure that was, uh, no, was that 90, 97, 96, 97, I want to say? Now, I was trying to get the time frame of when the Hedlund had been together for. Oh, no, so, that actually took place in 1995. Okay, even earlier. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I'm pretty sure you're right on the, the, the thing of her first, he did it to an ode to her, because I swear... I don't remember seeing him do it in a few of those matches I watched him do. It was, he did use it as a finisher, though, correct? Yeah, yeah, from that point on. Yeah. Like, I mainly remember watching most of Kensuke during his great run in Noah, mm. um, when sort of it was him and uh, Nakajima together a lot. Yeah. They had a great, great tag team as well, but he had a, a great run um, where he, he finally wins the, the Juicy mm. Heavyweight Championship back in the day. Um and yeah, he was definitely using the the northern mm. lights at that point as mm. a big finish. The timeline definitely makes sense. Him adding it into an ode to her. Yeah, it's also I think so. It sounds a good story anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let's run with mm. it. Mm. <laughs> and then straight from that northern lights into right back to the arm mm. with that awesome Eugene Nagata esque like eyes to the mm. sky uh, armbar, and I was just. When he had it on, I was thinking, like, this should be the... F like, when I was watching it yeah. the first time, um, I was like, this should be the finish, you know? Like, mm. he's worked his arm up so much, mm. this should be the finish, but I bet it won't be. Like, you'll get, like, a... You know, you'll go on to something else or whatever yeah. and have, like, a big, uh, you know, big one, two, three. Yeah. No. And then it was the finish, and I was yeah. just like, well, that is so perfect. Well, that's the thing that shot me, too, because I did not see it as much as I thought it should happen. I did not see that as being his finish because he he never's never's finished with it. I've seen it's like but... well, new new Nakajima. Mm. He's, he's got the the spirit of Anoki uh, possessing him. Mm. I I I like the the elevation and the adding to the moves because as even though he is he was perfect beforehand, it's like adding this little bit of extra mm. just just gives him that little something else. And I think it was perfect timing because, like, as we know of, like, when you watch guys for a long time, it's all about sort of reinventing themselves mm. um, to stand the test of time. And I, I, I'm intrigued to see whether is this the new Nakajima going forward or was this just, you know, a, a one-off? Yeah. I saw he did have the same look for um, the, the Dempsey match. Well. Um, but we'll have to see. Well, the feel the look definitely will stay at least for the title reign. I'm intrigued to see if he keeps doing the Northern Lights bomb and the arm bar as finishes. Oh, he's always kept had the um. Oh, I don't know about always, but he's always sort of had the the Northern Lights in his back pocket mm. as like a real big finish if he needed mm. it. Um, like I definitely yeah. remember him doing it in some of his big Noah matches back in the day. But in, yeah. the, in the last few years, though, have you do you remember him doing it that much? Oh, uh, not not that much, but just yeah. sort of like for real big kind of ones. Like I think he might have used it when he won the the GHC championship that last yeah. time. Maybe Cause, cause I'm trying to remember his from his big Keno matches. I honestly can't remember him doing the Northern Lights bomb. Right, but that could just be by my bad memory. <laughs> we watch a lot of wrestling. To yeah, be fair. <laughs> that's that's why I tell our boys it's like 
I have to have some notes <laughs> because I watch so many different matches that sometimes you can get confused when you see the same guy and yeah, and, and add a little bit into a match. It's like, oh, no, that wasn't from that match. That was from another one. So, yeah. but, but if I give myself a few pointers and a few things, I can help when I'm talking about re repicture it in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely find that re-watching these matches and taking some notes is mm. very, very helpful. It makes mm. a bit bit more of an interesting discussion, I think, when we can yeah. actually remember <laughs> what happens other than just, that was just so awesome. <laughs> oh, 100%. It's like, that's why it's like the first watch is to enjoy, unless it's really late at night, you try and watch it, and then you have to watch it again the next day. Yeah. Which did happen with Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, no. And, or when we're going to review the match with you, rewatch it, take some notes, few few spots, few feels. But yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I enjoy the process, mm. honestly, of, of rewatching the match. Mm. In some way, it's like a bit of a chore because you're like, oh, mm. you know, I already watched it kind of thing mm. and I've got so much other wrestling that I need to fucking make it to. But in other ways, it's like, it's almost like rewatching a really good movie, mm. like where you notice little things that you didn't notice the first time around. Like I was saying with that, um, the, the first bit where he starts targeting the, the arm mm. with that, yeah. that kick and it being such a pronounced thing. Because mm. I remembered the arm working the arms, but I did not realise from the whole match it was the right arm he was specifically working the whole time. It wasn't... He wasn't old and he specifically targeted and kept targeting just the one arm. Yeah, so good. And then mm. that is cool in and of itself because it's always the, the, the pro wrestling thing of uh, you always work the left brother. That was, <laughs> that was always what... Um... Have you heard that? No, I, 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 I have not heard that, heard that. Oh, shit. Well, as a fighter, the left for most people is normally their jab because most people are, are right-handed. For me, I'm a left-hander, so my power punch right. is a left. But why does it always work the left? Well, I think it's it's easier, like, from a, a worker perspective. Mm. So I remember learning it, like, back in the day when I used to wrestle kind of thing. Mm. Um, like, it's easier for submissions and counters and stuff if you all sort of just learn it on one side kind of thing. Um, but then it's the opposite in Mexico. In Mexico, they often work the right. Um, but the funniest thing I remember... Uh, might have been from watching British wrestling back in the day, where I think they were working the left as well. Um, I remember hearing the the, the great commentator, he, and he said, "You might notice these wrestlers are working the left hand side. Now, a lot of the time, that's because of a gentleman's agreement, because they have to they're, they're wrestling in this match. But you know, you don't want to you don't want to harm a man's income outside of the <laughs> ring. So you know, you got to got to put the food on on the table for your family. So." Yeah, you know, we, we it's a gentleman's agreement to work the left so that, you know, assuming they're right-handed, they can still, you know, work on cars or whatever uh, they're doing during the day, which uh, I was just so tickled when I heard that. I thought that was great. Uh, I, I definitely like that one. That's a nice little story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's the explanation for you there, Ben. It's a gentleman's agreement, but not in this match. <laughs> There's no gentleman gentleman's agreement in this match. It's just to hurt each other as much as we yeah, can. But man, what what a match! I uh, I definitely on rematch. I was like steadfast in my thoughts that yeah, I think this was my favorite of mm. the two. Um, just so good, so many little things. Um, and I just I just really really enjoyed it. 
a whole bunch and I'm, I'm so excited for this new reinvigorated Nakajima what, what's next to come in all Japan um, and I'm That's a little bit I mean. weary of this WWE thing you're saying yeah. but you know in general I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to see where they go because he's won the belt if I argue so definitely there's going to be a rematch down the line he's been Kento Ishikawa is on the outs. Well, did you hear who who challenged him um, after his successful defense against um, Charlie Dempsey? Uh, no, I haven't seen. I was aiming to watch that show, but I decided to watch the the Big Noah show first. Uh, I don't know who's challenged him next. Uh, Ashino. Ooh, that should be a really good match. I definitely did. He have a match with Ashino when he first came over to All Japan. I don't, no, no, I don't think they've. Um, I mean, unless they, they, they probably would have um, crossed paths in the tag league. I'm assuming, mm. but they definitely haven't had any big singles matches. So I think that'd be great. No, I'm definitely looking forward to that. They're definitely their high end matches are definitely up there. So I'm definitely enjoying my old. Oh, it's a, I reckon it's some of the best wrestling mm. going. Full stop. Like top end old Japan mm. is like. The best contemporary mm. wrestling, I think. I mean, obviously, you know, and you know how much I love Noah, mm. so it's hard uh, for me to say that. I mean, it's uh, it's often, you know, on on par for sure. Mm. But right now, uh, all Japan's on on a, a tear. They 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 definitely they definitely are. They they're doing what they need to do to start bringing themselves back uh, to back to back to where they should be up in the. Fighting Noah, then New Japan for the top promotion in Japan. Yeah, I think they've obviously had some rebuilding to do, um, but I think they had a fantastic 2023. Mm. Um, and assuming everything is not just fucked because of this stupid WWE well, agreement, well, it, it, <laughs> hopefully good things for 2024. Uh, well, it's more the fact of this, the senior guys, the locker room guys they lost, like Ishikawa, Omori. That was the biggest loss to me. Mm. I mean, I'm a big Omori fan. Mm. I love that dude. I would love to see Omori come to to Noah. Mm. Um, so that was a bit that was a bit sad. Um, you know, Yoshitatsu. Uh, probably not the biggest Yoshitatsu fan. <laughs> I can't, I can't <laughs> um, say sad I about um, Masa Fuchi. Mm. With like Fuchi and all of his history in in all Japan, but it sounds like they're still giving him like a big send off show coming up in the uh, near future. And the dude is like 60, 68, 69 yeah. years old. Well, for health reasons, I I I definitely understand him not wrestling. But, uh, I'm just intrigued yeah. to see what what was the falling out over and why. It's like the other guys definitely. But the big one was what you're saying, Shuji Ishikawa, because Ishikawa was, in addition to being like one of their top headliners, still one of the best guys in ring that you'll ever see. Um, Just watched him have a a fantastic match uh, this past year when he challenged um, Yuji Nagata when Nagata had that really good uh, little run with the Triple Crown. Um, uh, But also, apparently, he was like, uh, had uh, quite a lot of backstage uh, responsibility um, mm. and he was like the I can't remember the official term but basically the guy in, in charge of the, the locker room basically like the liaison mm. between the, the locker room and the and the office um, so I don't know something something must be a bit bit awry 
Also, because that guy definitely goes. It's like it's not like you can't say he's still yeah, got something. He's like, the one that hurts if mm. if he actually is leaving. Well, it's like the way they said it's like he just they didn't pick up his contract, resign him. They just let it. Which that's got to be some some political beef yeah. there because you don't just not pick up Shuji Ishikawa's contract with how great he is. Must have been some sort of um, political turmoil, I'm assuming. Yeah. Especially when they've only got they've they've got good top guys and young good young guys coming through, but their roster isn't massive. And to let a guy a guy go like him, it has to yeah. be an issue. For the sound of it, with the the president who who made the call to do the apparently not not the most popular man in the world right now. Yeah, because it's like the Charlie Dempsey match definitely. They he won them over in the end, but by the sound of it, the fans were not happy in that fucking tag, the lead up tag match he did, and then giving him the win over Nakajima mm. as well, which I thought was a huge call. I mean, it makes sense from like if you've got this outsider coming mm. in who it's like, what, what the fuck is this guy, you know, even mm. challenging for the triple crown? And then I guess they had to do something to be like, no, look here, you know, well, he's it's... got a win over Nakajima. Like, and so it puts a bit more doubt in mm, people's mind. Mm. Like sometimes they do in Japan anyway. When that in that lead up tag, if the guy gets the win over the partner, he sometimes wins the challenge that way. But to give him the actual pin, it's mm. like they've definitely. I was surprised, but I can understand why. But still surprising, just the way they normally operate yeah. anyway. I mean I guess it's just the level of emphasis you want to give mm. it really like sometimes you do see especially Noah you know sometimes mm. the, the challenger gets a big win over the champion in their last yeah. preview tag um, but yeah I, I personally did not like the optics of like a guy who's not even really prominently spotlighted in NXT mm. coming in and like wrestling mm. your, your you know triple crown champion because mm. like Noah definitely it happens all the time. It's not a surprise to see, say, Keno in, he, in a lead-up match to Go Shizako getting pinned by Go in a, one of those matches. Name value definitely different, but you, mm. it's not a surprise to see it happen. But, yeah, the optics of a guy you're trying to elevate and make your guy get him to pinned by a guy, as you say, even, like, I don't watch NXT, but I do listen to Brian talk about it all the time. He fucking loves it for some reason. Brian Alvarez. Yeah. Uh, but he, Charlie Dempsey is not a name I've heard very often. Yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't watched the, the match uh, between Nakajima and Charlie Dempsey yet, but I heard it was bloody sick. So I'm, oh. I'm actually looking forward to it. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to watch it because, yeah, I heard the same thing. It's a really good match. It's just, yeah, it wasn't surprising, but. I'm intrigued to see it. I mean, so in a perfect world, we'll, we'll, this is my one thing of this like WWE All Japan agreement thing. In a perfect world for me, if this agreement is limited to just some of the NXT guys that, that have a, a desire to do so, mm. um, getting to come over and maybe participate in some All Japan tours, mm. being on these shows... You know, making them more well-rounded and giving them, like, matches against guys. Like, honestly, there's no way in a million years you'd have anyone in NXT anywhere near the talent level of, like, a Nakajima, you know? Like, there's just no way that that you'd wrestle that that level of quality. 
opponent. So I could see it being really mm. good for their talent, their, especially the younger guys, mm. if they were getting to come over. Um, maybe All Japan gets a bit of a sweetheart deal because they're, you know, perhaps WWE is paying for, for their, um, you know, yeah. their transport or like their, their match fees mm. when they're over there. So it saves them on having to spend that money on, on Gaijin talent themselves. That would make sense. Um, but if it's anything further or anything like those bloody awful um, WXW or ICW or Progress deals that you'd heard heard about that basically mm. killed the entire UK yeah. wrestling scene, uh, I very much hope that's not yeah. the case. The, the one thing you can see, you can see WWE trying to use it as a foothold to get their themselves a promotion or at least shows in Japan. Because it's the way they operate. They they start small mm. and they try and get something going. I don't mind All Japan using it to further their their name, get that back out there. They may they get their guys more ring work, save expenses, generate more income, maybe even get a few subscriptions out of it from NXT viewers wanting to see their guys compete in All Japan, that kind of thing. Mm. You just don't want them to get any kind of long-term hold into the company or say or try and yeah, buy sure. or completely destroy something as they did to the those British companies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those. Uh, I think those companies are still kicking, but they are nowhere near what they mm. were before well, that um, predatory WWE shit went down. Well, you don't even hear those. For me, I, you don't even hear them to the point well, the only one I hear of these days is Rev Pro. The others, it's like they don't exist anymore. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. And it, uh, it sucks, especially for a company like WXW that mm. had so much awesome history back in the day. But anyway, that is that is a different topic. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> but is. I think this has been good. We've, yeah. we've, we've got our match of the week. We've talked a little old Japan goss. For our listeners, I don't know where else you're going to get that these days. <laughs> but maybe you don't want to listen to that on a wrestling art podcast. I don't know. It's a, it's a work in progress. <laughs> Every now and then, a little bit, a little funny story is not going to hurt anyone. Hey, you're, you're our Japanese wrestling correspondent at this point. <laughs> <laughs> just just mixing it up from the, the artists that come on here. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good. I think it's good. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for coming on the show. I had a blast talking about this match, talking about some some old Japan. This has been good stuff. I uh, I hope um, you're um, so you still got the the stay at home father responsibilities, or you, you're back at work now, so that's over for the moment. No, so I was back at work today, and I was sitting waiting to start work for four and a half hours today. Oh my gosh! Because Yuck. the the union uh, shut the site, saying it was um, unsafe to work in because of the water in uh, the basement level of the train station. Oh wow! Yeah. So did you get to watch a whole bunch of red wrestling? Oh, well, I I did I did watch about an hour of Noah, <laughs> but nice. I also had to keep checking to see if the place had been reopened. So it, I only watched yeah like the. The three-way tag team elimination match of the big right, right, show, right. and so you're not you're not committing to a big a big classic at that point. No, nah, like that actually that match had some amazing shit in it. It was very short, which I thought was going to be the case when the show has like thirteen matches in six hours. It's like 
fucking hell. Man, I'll definitely need to make my way onto that one. That's the the big Noah Shodariaki, right? Yeah, I want to try and get that done before the the big Keno Go match, uh, which is I think in three days, maybe. Unless I'm messing up my dates, which could quite yeah, possibly happen. Yeah, that's coming up real soon. But I'm I'm gonna be a little brutal. I'm not nice. gonna. I don't think I'm gonna watch every match, to be honest. That's the way you got to be sometimes. You got to be a bit cutthroat. I I did that in Wrestle Kingdom, and I I think that was actually the first time I watched a show pretty much live in I reckon a, a year or two the Wrestle Kingdom show and that's purely because I was home by myself because my daughter had basically gone to sleep <laughs> during that her that ram that stupid Rambo thing that goes before the pre-show so <laughs> she fell asleep just after yeah, that yeah 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 so I thought I'll oh, wife's out so I thought oh she's working actually so I'll take this opportunity to watch my first show live nice. and I made it right through Okada Danielson mm-hmm. but it's like I can't go to the main event. It's like, this is already 10 o'clock. It's been nearly five hours. Ooh, I haven't seen the Okada Danielson one yet, but I have a feeling f- from what I hear, there's a there's a good chance that that p- could potentially be a future match of the week whenever I do watch it. So we'll see. I'm not promising anything. I haven't watched the match yet, so I can't tell you it was my favourite thing I watched. But uh, It wouldn't surprise me if it was. I, I did watch it twice. Wow. All right, well, I'll, I'll let you know what I think. Yeah. But thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show, man. No worries. Appreciate Chris. your time. Too. Anything to plug? No, uh, Aurora has found her way to like the beach again <laughs> from being scared of the water. Okay. Last week, we got her to go up in, up to her waist. So that was that was a big win. Oh, wow. Yep. Go Aurora. Yep. I couldn't, well believe, done. couldn't believe it when I saw it. It did proceed to her trying to eat sand and other stuff, but we can't win everything. (laughs) One step step at a time. Yep. The the, the small wins we take, the small wins. Lovely. When she gets that sand right next to the chips. She had the fish and chips at the beach. She gets the sand, the chips, and it's just, yeah. (laughs) So so beach times and chips. Yep. That's my big plug. Aurora likes the water again. (laughs) <laughs> that's lovely <laughs> you have the most heartwarming plugs I feel <laughs> alright mine less less heartwarming I just, I just want to get some make get some uh, business going you know yeah make a living here so if you jump on christhings.com.au you'll be able to do that you can buy some prints some original artwork I've got a, a sweet uh painting up there right now of a uh a, a small uh masked mexican mexican wrestler that was a, a christmas themed piece i think i spoke about that on a previous one but yeah jump on there buy some stuff follow me at chris things on the twitter and on the instagram uh big thank you to social suplex for keeping this going uh, you can check out a whole bunch of other rad podcasts up there, socialsuplex.com. Uh, keeping it strong style with the young boy, Josh Smith. Uh, we've got uh, One Nation Radio and a, a gaggle of other stuff, so check that out. Thank you to Social Suplex. But most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. I appreciate your time for listening to this show, uh, for your support, uh, for for 
received some lovely messages um, from, from some of my listeners so far that were just absolutely heartwarming. So I really appreciate all that stuff, guys. Uh, so please keep on listening. Tell a friend. Uh, let us keep this thing going. But uh, no, thank you. Uh, and uh, I think that's it. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Alright, Chris, anytime, anytime. Yeah, I think at this point, every time there's an All Japan show that earns a match of the week, you're my guy. Well, I'm happy to.